only thing we control on this planet is how we react to things. Mm-hmm. Every single person is different. Every situation you go into, if you can go into it thinking my way is not 100% the right way, will open up a million doors for you. Because what you'll find very quickly is that people's intentions are not always to screw you. Although you might think that the guy at work who refuses to put coffee in the pot is doing that because he knows you're coming in at 915 and he doesn't want you to have coffee. There is a possibility that he's stressed about something completely different and he's just not thinking about coffee. So you can control how you react to every situation. What's going on, everyone? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK, a.k.a. Coach Kyle. What's going on, my people? It's your boy, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A Squared. To be honest with you, I feel like I'm yelling for sure, but it's because I'm excited. I'm excited. We got a conversation today that has been in the works for some time now and we have been waiting to talk to these guys collaborate with these guys figure out what it looks like we finally got them on we finally got them on derek and fabian from men's league it's a men's online platform for personal development and men's mental health they're changing the game and we're excited to talk to them but before we do that you know what time it is it's move Gentlemen, 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 welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. We are delighted to have you guys here today to mm-hmm. discuss and, you know, discover a delighted. little bit more about who you are, uh, what motivates you and, you know, what you see in the future um, for both of you and, and, and the world. Um, but first, Kyle and I simply just want to know, how are you doing? How are you feeling on this Sunday afternoon? What's your mood? Awesome, boys. That's a great intro. Um, yeah, it's Fabian here uh, from Emsley, as they said. Uh, how am I feeling? It's a great question. I've got a bunch of different feelings right now on Sunday. It's usually my day of, of the, probably the most feelings without any external factors coming in. Uh, you got work the next day. Um, for us and myself specifically, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling excited. Um, and I'll tell you why very briefly. Uh, anxious because uh, I, was, I was really highly anticipating coming on this show. Obviously, it's, it, as you guys mentioned, it's been a minute. We've been chatting and looking at what you guys have been doing from afar, uh, but really excited to be on this show. Um, we've got a bunch of stuff cooking on the men's lead side, uh, specifically our clinic, which is causing me a lot of anxiety. <laughs> to be honest, anyone who's ever opened up a business in a physical location, you know, signing leases and all that stuff, it can really get, uh, it can get frightening if you have never done it before. So I think uh, excited and frightened, I'm feeling anxious, all those things all at the same time. So that's kind of my mood check right now, boys. Mm. Derek, how you feeling, bro? Oh, what's up? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, feeling good, feeling good, but I'm going to go a little bit into that because, you know, that's that's not the answer we just want to give. Um I'm a little, I'm a little bit uh, groggy today in a way. Yesterday we were filming. I was in front of a camera for many hours, probably six or seven hours. Uh, and then literally came home and, and fell asleep at like 8 p.m. So it was like mentally exhausting day. So I'm uh, I'm working through that. I got up early, you know, had a little exercise and a little coffee. So I'm feeling good. So you're saying uh, you're not cut out for acting, huh? It's not not your thing. Dude, one day and I was like, tap me out of here, man. This is enough. Uh, second, though, is excitement, man. Pure excitement and joy to sit here with you guys and do this once and for all. Uh, like Kyle mentioned, 
a long time coming. We've been we've been watching, and then we bumped into each other, and then the conversation started flowing. And and this is a this is an opportunity and a relationship that I personally get very excited about. So I'm glad to uh, to officially kick things off and get in a room and and put uh, put words to screen and, and enjoy and get to know you guys a bit. Amazing, amazing. Appreciate the mood check. Big, big CK. What's going on, my man? How are you doing today? Oh, damn. I didn't know the mood check was coming my way today. Okay. All right. Who's big CK? Big, big, big CK feeling this morning. Uh, you know, I honestly, I'm excited, but I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. I don't know what it was about this week. My partner and I were talking about it this morning and yesterday morning and the morning before of just what is going on. We are tired this week. We are tired. There's a lot of changes happening. The world is shifting in its own unique ways. Being out in Calgary here, it's open for business pretty much for the time being anyway. Everything is back to normal. And, you know, Anwar and I were talking about this yesterday and I brought up the concept that I think a big component of what's causing exhaustion is that there's a different level of energetic exchange when you take away masks. And I don't know what that is or, or what I'm noticing with that, but just having conversation in person, face-to-face without the blockade of a mask feels different. It hits different. And you're taking on their mood differently now. And you're also giving a mood differently now the whole time. So there's this weird extra layer of energetic exchange that takes a lot of energy. So uh, I work part-time in a restaurant as a bartender. And so I see a lot of people, I see a lot of people. So I think it's just that concept is really shifting. So I'm tired. I'm definitely tired from that. and. This morning, I woke up and was ready to sleep for the next three hours. Uh, I did not want to get out of that bed. So that's that's my mood for now, for sure. And, and you're just old, man. This dude just turned 30. Look okay, at him. I'm tired. I'm tired. March 2nd. <laughs> March 2nd. He turns oh, 30. Boy. And all of a sudden now, he's got the, oh, I'm tired. I can't. I don't have the energy to talk to people. Anymore. Listen. Listen. Someone happy, said. Happy belated from the modern masculinity. Family. Get off happy it. Birthday. Get out of here. Hey. Uh, someone said 30 is the new 20 in my comment section the other day. So I'm here for that. I'm here for that. I don't feel 30. I've been oh, running that concept for, for about six and a half years. Now. Yes, sir. There you go. Nana, I mean, LeBron's redefining what 30 looks like, ladies and gentlemen. So hey, hey, listen, none of us are old. None of us are old. Mm-hmm. How am I doing today? Gentlemen, I am extremely, extremely excited um, about this conversation. And so the, the immediate feeling I'm feeling is just excited. But when I go a little bit deeper, um, you know, just I feel like I'm juggling a lot right now. I feel like life's coming at me fast. Um, to kind of touch on that, you know, that, that 30 number, I remember turning 30 and just feeling like it was like, I had the responsibilities, but it was like the torch was handed to me. Like, no, you got to do it now. This is not thoughts anymore. And I feel that, you know, that responsibility every single day. And, um, you know, I'm not burdened by it. Um, I try to not be some days I can be burdened by that responsibility. Um, but, there's times where I just feel like I'm juggling and I'm in flow. And right now I'm juggling. I'm just trying to keep all the balls up and not drop any of them. So, um, and that takes a lot of, you know, routine I've noticed and a lot of habits uh, and a lot of, and so all those years of working on those habits and those routines are, I feel like what allows me to juggle those balls, you know, and not drop them. But once I get out of those routines or once I fall off those routines, it all goes to shit. Um, but right now, a lot going on. Um, I love March because it feels like winter's in the rear view mirror. And um, spring is ahead. Uh, summer is coming. 
more vitamin D, more daylight. Um, so it feels like a good time to be busy. It feels like a good time to, to, to be juggling a lot of things. And um, I'm excited about the things that I'm juggling. So let's see if we can uh, make magic happen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thanks, Weiss. Thanks for sharing your mood check. I appreciate it for everybody listening right now. You know what time it is. It's always mood check time every time. So check in with your mood, see how you're feeling, move past the good. That's what we're here to do is move beyond the initial phrases, which I appreciate everyone in this room just did. So getting into the conversation today, lads, I appreciate you joining us again. We're excited to have this conversation. We know uh, what you do, and we know that Men's League is a constantly growing space that is just transforming the way men are in this city and beyond. There's a lot of opportunity uh, for people to access your space online, which is great. And Men's League is incredible. Men's League is going to be incredible even more in the future. But we want to stop for a second and not take it into that realm because I think it's quick and easy to get into what men are doing in their career and quick and easy to get into what they do on a daily basis. And that's beautiful. And at the same time, you know, we forget about ourselves a lot. We forget about who we are. We forget about our character and our wants and desires and needs and all these things. So we want to start there. We want to start with who you are as people outside of men's league, outside of the roles that you play within that business. So uh, I'm going to throw it to Derek first. Derek, what we want to know, who the hell are you, man? Who, 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 is Derek, uh, who is Derek outside of his role in men's league? Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. I, um, it's funny you bring this up because I just early, about probably six weeks ago, I went through kind of a similar reflection or similar point where I was like, I was so engaged with all of these things that I, I, kind, of, I kind of came to realize that I wasn't being me anymore. I wasn't mm. giving myself the time to enjoy the things that I love to do and, and to focus on, you know, personal development and personal growth. I was giving, 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 giving a ton and, uh, and it hit pretty hard. So, um, appreciate the question. Absolutely. Um, to move it back a little bit. I mean, um, I, I was born in Ottawa, Ontario, grew up there for 12 years. Um, so Ontario is home. Um, moved to, moved to Calgary with my mom and my sister at that age and kind of embarked on a journey of independence almost at that point. Um, at a young age, I was 12 years old and, uh, my father stayed in, uh, in, in Ottawa. So, um, I took it upon myself at that point to just kind of start and start my own life and, and be, be kind of an inherent leader as best I could at that age. Um, and whether that was rebellious because I was losing my, my father or not, um, whatever, but, um, yeah, I kind of embarked on that journey here in Calgary and I started to, uh, grow my network and expand and I was, I was in junior high and then got into high school. Um, and, uh, I guess a little bit about me is that I was given some great advice by a wonderful lady at my first job. She was, she was leaving high school at the time and I was getting into it and her advice was be friends with everybody. And I took that to heart. And I think that that's something that's still with me throughout and still makes me me to this day is that, is that I, I often try and every time I meet somebody, I, I just want to be friends with them. I want to get to know them a little bit more. I'm a very outgoing person. Um, I love meeting new people and exploring their journey and what they're about. So that's, that's, a, that's a little bit about me that, um, that kind of carried me through my early years. Uh, I uh, went to university here in Calgary. I stayed in Calgary to go to university. Uh, studied a lot of different things, but settled on geology. So I was a geo um, graduate graduated from university, 2010. Um, 
also was in a pretty serious relationship at the time when I did. Uh, about a year and a half after I graduated university, I was married, so pretty young age, uh, tied the knot, got married. And uh, that, that relationship certainly defines me too as a person. Um, going through that full cycle um, from, you know, dating in university to divorce three years after university. So um, a lot of learning and that, that really defines me as well. And it, I think it's what originally kind of got me aware of what this space is about in this men's space and looking at ways um, to help other men going through some of these, some of these similar situations. Um, when I did go through that, I was, again, a very young guy and didn't have support, really. I was, whether it was because I chose not to receive it or I didn't know where to go for it, but I just, I, I, I kind of went through it alone in a sense. And that was a, that was a very powerful point in my life, looking back at that, uh, at that window. And, and my partner Fabian was, was one of few guys that stepped up and really, and really kind of gave me that support system as I needed it. And I think that that's what launched our friendship. I mean, we'd been friends growing up, high school, football, that sort of thing. But um, it was those moments there that, that he really stood up and became a true, a true friend for me and really separated himself as one of my best friends and somebody I can count on. Uh, yeah, and then, I don't know, worked as a geologist for a bit. And uh, <laughs> that changed, worked out on the rigs for a couple of years. Um, and uh, yeah, I've just been exploring new career options and focused on this. God, what else can I, what else can I tell you? Is that, is that enough? Is that good? <laughs> listen, listen the, the mic is yours. You can take it for as long as you want. I think yeah. uh, I appreciate, I appreciate everything you shared. I have actually a follow-up question that I didn't expect that would have. Okay. Um, I find this question of who are you very fascinating. I think that it's mm -hmm. one of the hardest questions we ever ask ourselves in our entire lives. And it's hard to answer. It is hard to answer. So I, I understand kind of the navigating uh, space that you took. And so the follow-up question for me is, uh, how would you describe your character in three words? Great question. I would say loyal. I would say open-minded. And I would say optimistic. Mm. Beautiful. Those Beautiful. are three words right out of the way. I mean, and there's lots of reasons for that. I mean, you could, you could take a deeper dive into it, but yeah, those are, those are the three words right now that I would think I would, I would settle with. Um, Beautiful. I'd love to, would I love to take a deeper dive and some self-reflection to make sure oh, they're course. the perfect ones, of course, <laughs> you know, the, the logical but, mind of a man absolutely. wants to know the proof, wants to find yeah. the evidence. Yes, sir. Where are the facts? Where are yes. the facts? Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, those, those, those three will sit right off the top of my head. Beautiful. I mean, I like being outdoors. I love sports. I love meeting people and just getting the most out of life. I think that's, mm. that's what I hope to define myself as, as somebody that's taking advantage of this glorious miracle gift of life that we have. So mm. Beautiful. Love that. Thank you for sharing. And I like that the hilarity of it all is how quick we are to uh, try to validate what we're saying. You know, we can't just land it and leave it. We're like, okay, here's this, here's this purpose. And here's this reason, but hold on. Don't, don't talk it. Don't talk it. I need to tell you why I need to give you the, all the reasons why this is exactly who I am and why I believe this to be true. It, the wildness of that nature. It's so interesting to me, which is why I think that question, I'm so grateful it came to me because it really challenges uh, the process it really challenges the, who are you question. Absolutely. I love a good challenge. So I appreciate you asking that. Ben. 
Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Fabian, my good friend, you've been waiting in the depths. I can feel your your anticipation energy. Like, okay, come on, ask me, ask me. Who am I? Who am I? Now I got something to work off of. I just spilled my coffee everywhere. Fabian, my man, tell me, who is Fabian? That's a great question, man. Great question. Um, I'm in it. I was asked this question probably about seven years ago. When in an oil and gas job, <clears throat> my company was putting on a little bit of a, a, a mixer for Métis people. I, I worked in Indigenous engagement in my day job right now. Um, and this was before I got to get into that group. But they, I was in a room and there's a bunch of Indigenous people there kind of telling their life story, you know, how they, they came to be a business owner, what they're interested in and trying to get work with us. And I was there, the, the, the leader of the organization on, on my left and he asked me if I wanted to speak. And I said, uh, no, because I, I had shotgun just accepted to come to this event like probably hours before. And I wasn't ready to speak. But after listening to all the people talk, you know, seeing how passionate they were, telling why they got there, I started to say, OK, OK, I can, I can speak. So I told the guy, I said, oh, I'll speak. He said, yeah. I said, yeah. So it got to our turn. He said, we're going to hear from our sponsors now. And he said, oh, Fabian's going to speak for us. And, and I got up there and and. To say who I am, this is this is what I told them. I said, you know, my name is Fabian Warner. Uh, my parents came from an island called St. Lucia, and they immigrated to Canada. Uh, I was born in Calgary. My dad came to Toronto, moved to Calgary, and then I was born there. So born and raised Calgary, still here. Um, St. Lucia has was colonized by the French and the English multiple times. They kept fighting over it, but um, they have they, they speak a broken French there called Patois. And because of that, I think my parents put me into French immersion just to learn French school, which at the time I hated, absolutely hated because, you know, you're taking sciences in French, you're taking math in French, you're taking social studies in French, and you're taking gym in French. And I'm just like, this sucks. You know, I just want to speak English, you know. Uh, and it wasn't until I graduated that I really saw the value and respected the decision that they put me in there because it forces you to think in a different way. Uh, you know, just a French sentence doesn't translate directly to English. There, there is a lot of like constant thinking that has to go on there. And I, I really, that really helped me, I think, as a person. Uh, from there, I, you know, I went to high school. Uh, I had a great time in school. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. I, you know, I got along with most people. Uh, in elementary, I was identified as a peacemaker. Uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> In elementary, like there's wars going down at the, at the, at the gymnasium. I, I don't know. Playground's but a tough time, man. The playground is a battle. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, field. man. <laughs> so peacemaker. I mean, I love people, all people, and not just from hey, hi, how are you doing? I'm obsessed with knowing your story. I'm obsessed with knowing what your Christmas traditions are. I want to know why you wash dishes the way you wash it. I want to know what you did for Halloween. I want to know what your relationship with your parents and your siblings. I'm obsessed with people. So that followed me throughout school and I was lucky enough to you know end up being on all the sports teams that you know I was I'm a tall guy six five uh I was always pretty good at sports I got invited to all the, the high school parties I had a great time there I made a lot of great connections a lot of good friends got out didn't really know what I wanted to do in life uh, I knew I wanted to communicate uh ended up getting into oil and gas and working on a floor with indigenous and local engagement community relations helping out there finding out their stories and to thank me one day they 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 asked me if i would you know go for lunch uh one of the indigenous local engagement guys did and and at that meeting i'd started doing what i naturally do which is ask a shit ton of questions 
you know, how do you do this? What do you guys do? Like this job's so fascinating to me. And, you know, hearing about the culture of the people, I got invested in that and, and got to go out and build a sweat lodge from scratch in my dress clothes, which was, don't recommend doing that to anybody. But uh, um, moral of the story is I came back to them and I said, you know, what really gets me excited in the morning is, is listening to you people, like tell me your stories. Like that's what gets me excited. I'm the guy that sits at the top floor in the Bow building, which is the tallest building in Calgary. And I look down on the street and I see a guy pushing a stroller and I'm like, I'm never going to meet that guy. I'm never going to meet that guy right there. But there's a possibility if I did, he'd be my best friend. And that is how I approach life. That is how I approach people. I see everything as an opportunity. And if you think back on all the people you've met in your life, think about everything you've taken from each one of those people. Maybe not every single one of them, but think about all the gems and things you've learned from people. That's why I think we should all feel, you know, like there's so much to learn and so much energy. So really, that's me in a nutshell is really, I love people. Uh, very passionate about that. And as we've started developing this men's league thing, it's now become, you know, trying to think deeper about that. You know, how can I specifically be a better, we lost a lot of guys. I'm sure we'll, we'll get into the, the passion, the reason why we, we started men's league, but you lose people and you realize that they don't get a chance to breathe again. And you're lucky enough to be one of the few on the planet that gets to breathe and enjoy this time frame. It's like, what am I doing with this space? And so that's really me, man. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deep thinker and I love people and love mm. sports, but uh, people overall, that's my jam. Mm. Beautiful. Well said. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, you, you had a little bit of a, uh, uh, a cheat code because Derek didn't get asked this question on stage seven years ago. So he was not prepared to answer in the way you just did. So uh, I can see that that work in that specific speech has played a factor. And, and I mean, it sounded like that speech went really well. I'm sure it resonated deeply with people. Uh, so thank you. Appreciate that. And I do have a follow up question. It's not going to be the exact same, though. It's not going to be the exact same. Um, I think it's going to be just similar. Derek's was uh, three words to describe your character. Uh, I want to know, how would you describe yourself uh, as a man in three ways? That's a good question. As a man, you're going to throw that little twist in there too, huh? Um, as a man, I would say that I am uh, I'm reflective, meaning I, I, I do tend to think about feelings a bit more than I would say that the, the average guy does. Um, I would say that I would hope that I'm some form of a leader to some men. I think I would, I would, I would hope that that would be the case in my opinion. Um, and then the last one, I would say compassionate. And I'll say that just because I, I think, Throughout my life, I've been blessed. Lots of guys tell me their secret. They tell me what Derek mentioned before that when he was going through this thing, he told me that. And I, I do believe there's a reason why men tell me those types of things because although I might come from that athletic background, although I might have been in all those cool parties, I always tend to have those moments with guys where it's just us one on one, and, and I have no problem giving them a piece of myself too, you know, humbling myself to tell them the things that I'm struggling with. And I think that door kind of slightly jars it open for anyone else than come back to me with the things that they're going through. Mm. So compassion probably would be the other one I would say. Beautiful, beautiful. And I know I was going to follow up question here, but I just wanted to address why I shifted that question is because I find it fascinating how quickly we are to adjust 
who we think we are based on being a man, when all of those things could have been the answers to what are three types of descriptive words for your character. But the thought process that we put extra effort into to like, okay, hold on though, what is being a, a man mean? I'm so confused. Uh, so I like the, I appreciate the fact that you took a second to be like, okay, man, not character man, but really the way I see it is this, it's pretty much the exact same question. And uh, it's just interesting how we answer it differently. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you for indulging with me. And just yeah. so you know, just to, to, I did write down three things when you asked Derek the question, assuming that that question was coming back to me. I ain't gonna lie. And just, I'll tell you what they were because they were similar. Yeah. Oh, I had man. a reflective person, I had communicator, and I had passionate. So mm. it wasn't too far off. So I don't even know why I asked you the man part. I was like, oh, <laughs> no. I love it. Honesty is, is the key. I love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. What what an introduction to you, you know, Fabian. And there's some things that you said there that I just resonate with so deeply. Your your curiosity for people uh, and and an opportunity to have a relationship. I think that, you know, often we miss. Um, we're very narrow sighted in like you know our surroundings and who we're around and who we can help. And I think that you know that curiosity, that being on that top floor and looking down at that person on the stroller and being like, ah, that, that guy could be my best friend. You know, I think that that curiosity. Um, can get you to a lot of places, but you guys have created something that maybe that guy can be your best friend, right? A, a platform, the world that we're in now is so much more connected than we've ever been able to be. You know, that person on the stroller can maybe be connected with you and, and you guys have created something. Um, becoming better men. I love this. I love this. Oh, you go on your website, it's right there, smack in your face. It's simple. And at the heart of it is, uh, you know, what we both want to do with our platforms here is, um, you know, just showcase how to express yourself differently, how to find the words to say what you feel or say how you feel, uh, you know, uh, what you want to do with your life um, without some of the, you know, without having to follow this rubric that we've been given that doesn't really fit today's day, doesn't really fit how you're feeling and often leaves us unaligned. Um, you know, I think it's a, uh, it's, it's just a struggle that men encounter every single day, this idea of trying to be a better man. Um, and the issue, in my opinion, isn't necessarily the desire to become a better man, but rather the limited tools and the role models that are available to us in society, you know, and, and, and to demonstrate to young men how to act, uh, you know, how to mature, how to grow, how to conduct themselves. Um, but you guys are here and you're trying to do some of this work, you know. We want to know just from your guys's, you know, perspective, you know, how did the idea of men's league first and foremost come, come about? Um, and then to our listeners who have never heard about what men's league is, uh, we know what it's not. It's not an all boys club. I will repeat. It is not an all boys club. What exactly is men's league? All right, Derek, I'll, I'll take the stab at, you know, why, and then I'll pass it over to you for what, um, I think I touched on a little bit in my story, you know, two, 2019 was, I'll never forget that, that, that year is going to be something that's burned into my life for the rest of time. So 2019, and I'll, I'll try and get, keep this the PG slowest or quickest version because it, I can, I can, I tend to ramble on this story sometimes, but uh, long story short is uh, I lost a guy early in 2019, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, came from my older group of friends, so re really good friends of my older cousin, who I really re looked up to and respected those guys. They helped kind of show me the way. Um, huge Lakers fan, similar as myself, athlete, amazing father figure, really big into religion. Um, he was doing a lot of things in the community. 
uh, helping. I'm still finding out things as we go through this. Kids are coming up to me saying this guy was their role model. He was teaching them and, and, and giving them more wisdom. Um, see, his funeral was absolutely um, earth shaking is the way I would explain it. To see the volume of people, to see the videos of him giving back to people. Uh, he had cancer and no one knew. None of his friends knew. No guys knew, not a single one. So when he passed away, uh, to see those 40-year-old men, you know, breaking down, crying uh, with anger, not just sadness, anger that he didn't share that with them. So they could, they could have done something. They could have been there. They could have, you know, tapped into their resources to help him. Um, I remember a guy like literally bawling on my shoulder at a party because he just was so angry. He didn't get a chance. And I, and I tried to tell him, I said, you know, when you're in that spot that, that the, our friend was in fifth cancer, you can go about it multiple ways. And we, I don't know how I would react because I've never been in that situation, but by knowing him, I know he just wanted to shield us from that. You know, he didn't want everyone to be burdening and feeling something about it. He wanted to kind of deal with it on his own and not put that on us. So anyways, he, so after he passed away, uh, you know, you go to a funeral as you would always go to funerals, you know, you get sad, you cry, you leave the funeral, you think about the person for a long time. As time goes on, you know, it doesn't feel as, you know, that, that hurt kind of subsides a little bit. It's still there, but it's not as prominent. Um, then uh, another one of my good friends died and one of Derek's friends as well, randomly. You know, uh, it was a great kid, never did drugs or alcohol during high school, uh, a socialite huge innovator in terms of the R&B and rap space in Calgary, brought a lot of concerts here. Again, you go to his funeral and the vast, the, the amount of people that are there showing love for this person, um, the impact was just so deep. Uh, and then at the end of the year, while I'm moving out of my house, uh, my uncle dies. Um, so I'm constantly in this space of, of people that are close to me dying. And as I'm kind of subsiding the feeling another one happens and then I'm subsiding the feeling and another one happens and then throughout that entire year I was also going through a divorce so again I'm a pretty logical guy I understood the steps I understood what was happening I was digesting it all um I thought I was grieving because I was going to these funerals. I was crying for days you know I was I was I was I was present and participating so I felt like I was dealing with it um and then near the end of the year I started having what I thought at the time were heart attacks. Okay, so I just, my chest, I was getting sharp pains in the chest. It was bringing me to the ground like multiple times. This happened probably eight times. And it, it wasn't until it happened on site when I was doing my indigenous local engagement. I was out in the bush outside of Fort St. John. Um, I dropped to the ground in front of this administrator girl. And she was like, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> and I was just like, I don't, I don't know. But at that point, I was like, okay, something's, something's wrong. So that's when I started talking about it to my friends, to my family and, and whatnot. And just the act of talking about it, what, what I was going through, talking about all the stuff that happened to me in this one year, I stopped having panic attacks. I actually didn't have another panic attack till we threw our first men's league event, but I'll get to that later on in the show. So, uh, and then to, to tie it on a bow of how men's league came, after all of these things happened, it was around like end of Christmas there. Uh, I also had a little uh, issue with my niece almost dying. She was like probably just under two years old. 
and she had her heart got attacked by an infection. My whole family had to fly to Edmonton to go to the specialist center. I was there for three weeks. You know, you're just supporting the kids that aren't sick. And my brother and his girl are you know, going at it because they're frustrated and they're dealing with the situation. And I, was, I had to be a, a glue piece for them at that time, along with her sister. We had to just be foundational rock pieces. So I come back from all of this and it's New Year's time. Derek has myself over to his house. Another couple of gentlemen are there. You know, the old fashions are flowing. The food is beautiful. Great conversation with three other gentlemen. And, and, and I just brought up a concept that, uh, that I, had, I had heard from a guy. We had brainstormed probably two years before that about men going to a retreat, no talking, no phones, and they were just breaking down crying. And we started just talking about how men have, have an issue releasing their emotion, you know? So I, I just brought the concept up around those four guys at, on New Year's and, and Derek specifically, but all, all the guys that were like, yeah, man, like, wow, like we need that. Like, and just to see the resounding. So at the time I was just like, yo, well, let's make a company called Men's League, you know, New Year's, the juice is feeling good. I was like, yeah, yeah, business owners, yeah. Didn't really think much of it. I mean, it wasn't the first New Year's where I concocted some sort of plan that I was going to have a business. Um, but it wasn't until probably a month after that, two months after that, that I really dialed in and said, okay, let's let's really give it a shot. And it was because I went to the birthday party of the first guy who passed away. His wife threw a birthday party. All those older guys were there. And she stood on the chair in front of all the guys. And she said, hey, listen, like the last thing he said to me was I'm going to make this my best comeback ever meaning I'm going to beat cancer. And she's like, obviously he didn't get to do that, but we are all here alive right now. So I'm challenging each guy in this room to make 2020 your best comeback ever. If you're sitting on something you want to say to somebody, say it. If you're sitting on some sort of business idea and something that you're passionate behind, do it. And I'm sitting there like, like man tearing up thinking she's talking directly to me. And then I, so I told her about the concept that night. And she's like, you need to do this. You need to do at least just do one event. That's all. And I made the promise to her that I would do it. And mm. here we are. So Derek, I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to you to tell them what Men's League is. But uh, that's the why, gentlemen. So appreciate mm. you giving me the space to share that. Thank you for sharing. Damn, that was that was powerful. That was probably had me fully engaged. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, not only is that a passionate uh, story and message and why, but, you know, kudos to your ability to tell a story i mean i i was captivated by by that story so mm -hmm. thank you for sharing for sure mm -hmm. and for your vulnerability i think we need to address that thank you for being courageous enough to to be a part of that that story and to own that story it's so much to the point where you're like let's talk about it as often as possible uh, that's hard to do and obviously you've had some practice but that's hard to do so it shows and we appreciate it derek that's i'll leave the floor to you brother yeah well i've heard that story probably you know I would say maybe a hundred times and that version that hit home, man, I, that was, that was very well said. I felt that again, like I felt it the first time I heard you say it. So, mm. um, yeah, well done, I'm, man. That was, that was cool. That was cool. That was really cool. I'm wow. glad we could share that moment with, with all, with everybody. Um, but I recorded now. Now, now you got exactly. it You're good now. You got it nailed. Um, and just to touch on a little bit of my, why a little bit guys is because, you know, and, without sparing some details, it was that moment at that New Year's when Fabian brought that up. And, and I had 
I had started to come around the concept of, of, of giving and the power of like giving yourself out to other people and how that was starting to become such an important part of my life. And when Fabian came with this idea, it literally hit me like a ton of bricks. Like almost immediately I put myself in a reflective phase and I was like, wow, this idea would have been so great for me and some of the challenges that I've had in my life so far. And I just, the value of it just resonated through every corner of my body and combine that with the opportunity to help others and to be a leader and, you know, to, to show people that, um, there's ways to improve yourself. Uh, it was such a powerful moment for me. And, and just get, within those couple of months, just realizing what this could be and where it could go. It was, it was so, so impactful, the idea in itself. So that for me, it was when I heard it, the why was there. It was, it was, it was sitting right there for me. I just almost, we just almost needed Fabian just to put it on the table. And uh, it was so easy to get behind for so many reasons. So, so um a little bit, a bit of, of the why for me. And I guess the what now is it that I, I don't want to dive into like the specifics. I mean, like there's so many little things that we've done or we're trying to do and things, you know, like we started with an event that was our first thing and then COVID hits and then we pivoted to the online space. And, and that was a, a great learning experience. And we it's opened up many doors and, you know, now Fabian mentioned the clinic and we're getting opportunities, you know, broader scale, I guess, and, you know, across the country, which is really neat. But to me, it's more about what is men's league is that space is that is that space for guys to look at others and share their stories and be vulnerable and feel comfortable to take that first step with. I mean, I think men, one thing we've kind of talked about so far is that men definitely are challenged sometimes or they don't feel comfortable, um, addressing some of the things they're going through or even acknowledging some of the things they're going through. And that's doing so much damage to us as men. And I think for me, what is men's league is we are just really trying to build that space and that opportunity for guys to feel comfortable, whatever way that is, whether it's through an event or through an online course or through listening to a podcast or coming to a clinic, whatever it is, just allowing the space for men to take a step towards addressing and acknowledging the real shit, the, the stuff we go through all the time, you know, the stuff that our brothers are going through and our friends are going through that just aren't discussed. They're just not shared. So that is ultimately the space. What, what is men's league? It can look tangibly different in so many different ways, but to me, that is the goal of men's league. And that is that it's that, that, that brand, that space and that, that opportunity for guys to feel comfortable to address the things that we go through. Yeah, I think that, you know, one thing that as a society that we struggle with is this idea that especially when you're either whether you're a life coach or you're offering an opportunity for someone to be better at their life, it's like when you offer that program or you give them this business idea to help them better themselves, it's never an it's never the answer. Life doesn't have a finite, defiant answer. It's a starting point and progress and ending point. Right. And, and so, you know, what I think men's league is doing such a great job of you guys are offering tools to move that progress line along, you know, and I think that too many people don't want to sign into the progress line or they, 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 they want an end answer. They want to, Hey, what does your thing do for like the heroic story? Where's, you know, my Super Bowl moment or where is my, where's the trophy? You know, what's the trophy instead of being like, 
here's a training manual, do this every single day, this will get you stronger. If you're stronger, you can hoist a trophy. You know, I think too many people negate the journey and the process, especially men, you know, because oftentimes we're rewarded at the end. You know, there is no real reward at the beginning or, you know, there's no real reward during the process. It's tell me when you're done, you know, tell me, tell me when you're at the finish line, you know, and I think a lot of the breakdowns for men happen on the journey towards the destination and not necessarily the destination. So I think men's league does such a great job of, you know, offering, you know, tools, whether it's financial tools, mental health tools, um, relationship tools, right. It's just a bunch of things to, you know, armor your tool belt and have, you know, be ready, be ready for the battle that is war. And that is this life that we're in and, um, to not just see the challenge and the adversity, but to see that you are in control of, you know, being able to armor yourself with tools, um, whether you like them or not. So, um, love what you guys are doing. That is awesome. Um, just wanted to kind of, you know, throw that back to you guys and say, love what you guys are doing. And I think, uh, you know, you guys definitely have a, a bright future with men's league for sure. Appreciate that, man. COVID, COVID was good for us on that note, hey Derek, because obviously it was going to be an event first, and you just touched on it, Anwar, is, is it forced us to sit down and reflect of how can we actually help men tangibly get better? And if you just mm-hmm. go at it from the big picture and say, oh, mental health better, it's like, well, there's a lot of things that feed up to mental health. And if you can get those things kind of dialed in and going in the right direction, then you're mm-hmm. on the way to it. Because it's going to take time for anyone to get that change. So that's why that physical pillar and the relationship pillar and the mm-hmm. financial pillar, because we started thinking through our lives is like, where, where did the stressors come from? Where, where do the things come from that we don't generally go to the table and talk about? And those were kind of the big topics we started. So we started saying, okay, well, we can get experts to kind of dive in and start giving guys a roadmap to each of those individual things. They will inherently be creating a better overall mental health and, and to take it even a step further, that is exactly why we decided to do men's league. You know, mental health is such a personal thing. Um, so coming at mental health with a whole blanketed of approach and saying, hey, here's the blanket that fits everybody. I don't think that's going to work. And I don't think it's going to, you know, bring in the volume of people that we want to get this movement. It's, uh, it's, it's more like, yeah, we, in order for us to get where we want to go, we have to tailor things to a demographic as, as much as we can. And like, obviously, we didn't tailor it completely. It's not like there's men's league police and men's league firefighters and men's, mm-hmm. you know, we're not doing that. But I think we will welcome all those different arms as we figure out ways to encompass things for them and, and tailor things to be more specific. But thank you for pointing that out, because that was something we put a lot of thought into, you know, how do we actually get men tangibly better? Mm-hmm. I think I want to double down on that. I think the one word we kind of missed, not missed, but it's, it's big for us is that preventative nature of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's, that was something that we noticed was lacking in the space, you know, for men specifically is just the ability to get ahead of some of these things. Like there's so many statistics, there's so many stories of guys, like even Fabian's story where it's like, it's definitive. It's, it's already happened. The, the end result of, poor mental health management and poor, you know, engagement in, in that space, in that area, um, always results in this, in this like tragic sort of result, right? It's this Mm -hmm. tragic space at the end where with, with us, we're trying to get ahead of it. Like you said, tools in your tool belt, just, and it went, it it doesn't even have to actually be a tangible PDF or an actual, you know, just the, the ability to have a conversation around it is such a powerful tool in itself that that is that that preventative space and trying to get ahead of it rather than being reactive. 100 man, 
Amen. I mean, the reactiveness mm-hmm. of men is just, you know, something that we're really good at, you know, very, very good at being reactive. And uh, one thing that I always commend, you know, the, the the woman's space is that they're very proactive in how they go about life. You know, I, I don't know if it's just the, the nature of being a woman where you need to kind of think about things a little bit more like, you know, pro, like progressively and you got to think about it more proactively. But uh, in men, we're definitely sometimes too caught up in the idea of just, you know, um, being reactive and, and, and not thinking that something like this can serve me in the future. You know, um, one thing that I always, uh, one thing I, and it's in my mind, I don't know if you gentlemen can relate, but you know, I've, I've had this concept of like being a husband in my head for a long time. And what does that look like? And being a father and having that concept in my head for a long time. And I would, I'd be like 20, like, you know, and it would just, cause you would just see if like, you know, for me, leadership and watching role models always was something that I was like kind of tuned into. So I would watch someone be like, I would never do it like that, you know, or I would never this example of what or what I'm going through, I would and you would start strategizing around how you'd be better. You know, how would you be in those exact same shoes, but be better and be better. And my timelines kind of just continued and I'm getting closer to closer to hopefully some of those opportunities and those titles. But I've always kind of looked out at the world and just seen things that I'm like, how could that be better? You know, and how does how does that person and obviously we have you know different upbringings and things like that so i'm not gonna i'm never in a judgmental state but i'm always trying to think like strategically how that looks i don't think looks you know futuristic looks optimistic how can i strategize around being better and then how can i share some of these philosophies um i don't know if you guys if you guys are in similar boats in terms of kind of how you guys think about life or see things but that's always how i've kind of seen have you guys seen it that way as well or my problem is is turning off the thinking not having the thoughts i'm i'm right there with you bro everything you know watching my brother raise his kids you know thinking back to how my dad raised us you know thinking of how he treats my mom thinking about how my friends treat their their wives like i constantly am looking at my group of friends and saying okay all right that's how you and you know same same to what you said there's no right or wrong way to do it and unless you understand all of the dynamics of what that person's going through and what the intricacies of their relationship are I would never have a final say, but you can start building what you want your life to look like and what you want to take from other people. So all the time, man, all the time. And, and my relationship I'm in right now is probably the most reflective I've ever been. I'm very conscious of the things I've done poorly in the past. I'm even catching myself still doing them. So think about that. I'm in this space of becoming better. I am reflective and I'm still kind of doing those things sometimes, And but at least I'm aware of it, you know? And if she brings it up, then I can be like, I can digest it. Whereas I think when I was younger, I would have been like, uh, excuse me, a, a one plus two equals three. And that's the answer to the question. So sorry, you know, so I'm with you, bro. I think there's a bit of a, I think there's a bit of like inherent, what's the word I'm looking for? Like avoidance maybe, or delay in people trying to do this. Like think about having a baby, right? We've been thinking about it, being a father, we've been thinking about it since we're 20. Okay. And then you only read the baby books, you know, a month or two before this little child has come to the world, you know? And when I start to think about back on things like financially speaking, like for me, and this is like the reflective part of what you guys are talking about here. It's like, wow, if I only knew that 10 years ago, you know, it comes with experience, but like, think of where I could be financially or think of where I could be physically or think of where, where I could be mentally, you know, because you gain that experience and you have that, the ability to look back and see it 2020. Um, and that's part of our message too, is like, if believe us, trust us, you know, we've seen it, we've gone through it, whether it's relationships, divorces, financial struggles, whatever. 
try and get ahead of that game because it will pay off down the road. So um, a bit of a message there too, I think. That's, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it sounds very similar to like honor the journey and, you know, enjoy the process and uh, be present during the building, not just at the end. Uh, something that I know a lot of men are probably sick of hearing because we, it's been preached a lot in the world, but it's it, honestly, it's the simplest and most purest form of where our focus should be more on. Uh, is that process and is the daily appreciation for all the things we are getting done and we are accomplishing and we are taking steps towards, you know, I, I speak in energetics a lot and something that I learned recently as a language is the, the feminine energy is the process and the masculine energy is completion. So one of the things that we navigate as we were just discussing is we love to complete something. Right? We love when something is done, right? but we don't really love the middle process of why it's not done yet. Uh, it's, it's more stressful there than anything. Right. So it was so interesting for me to come across that language and recognize in my partnership that one day she brings up, Hey, I just want to make sure we're focused on connection. And in my head, I'm like, you're telling me we're not connected. Like there's not a completion here, but that's not what's happening. It's just, can we just make sure we focus on this? And I'm like, are we not focusing on this? Like what? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> But this is, this is the hilarity of, of the way in which a lot of the dynamics operate, which is, I think, speaks to Anwar, you, you saying earlier, of, I think women are just more in tune with that. I, I believe so, too. I believe that there's a, a feminine energy frequency that's happening there that we all have and we're capable of tapping in, but they're more in tune with that. Even uh, actually, Fabian, your story of your friend's partner, and she stood up on that chair and said, go do this stuff. What she was saying is just get started. She wasn't saying complete any of that. Right. And that's the energy that moved you in the right direction that you embodied. So it's just so evident uh, when you really start to break down how we operate as men, the, the evidence of we really want to just finish something. We don't want to. Even you just saying that, Kyle, I just went back to my last three arguments and that was exactly what happened. <laughs> like literally verbatim. She'll say something that she's feeling and I'm like, oh, are we not doing that? Yeah. I thought, I, thought, I, thought, I thought this was a great thing here. It's like, she's like, I'm not saying that. I'm like, well, it sounds like you're saying that. It's like, yeah, every why? time. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like, again, all four of us, every guy in this room right now is in the space of at least thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Think about that. So if we're still struggling to like do it, to, to be completely open all the time, think about guys who are not even touching this space. You know, like, yeah, I just, it's, it's incredible to think about how far I think if I look at my own journey where I've come, but to still see how much growth is left. And I'm aware because like becoming aware of this all is probably the most important thing. Like at least acknowledging that in the moment you still might be upset. You still might be frustrated, but at least after you can be like, okay, yeah. Okay. You know, so mm -hmm. appreciate you saying that, man. It's, it's definitely, that's a huge piece and probably the biggest learning I've, I've undertaken in relationships over the last year and a year and a half. Mm. Well, yeah, and I need to touch on something before Anwar moves on is that what you just said there was literally a direct representation of, I just want this to be over and done and healed and moved through already. Like com completion is right there. There it is. I want it to be done. Can we just be done? I should have already figured this out by now. And the hilarity of that, it's like, I don't want to, we don't focus on, okay, you know, today I might be faced with something I was faced with yesterday and I'm going to do a better job of it. It's no, I dealt with it yesterday. It's not going to show up today because I'm better today. And if True. it does, then I'm not better today. And I must still suck. It's not complete. I haven't finished this deal. 
And it's the, the wildness of it. And the truth of it is, and this might be daunting for people is that this journey actually doesn't end. Uh, this processing of this emotion and this vulnerability and this personal development and growth, like there is no end in it to, to accomplish. And that's what I think makes it so difficult is there isn't actually an end. There is only a life is cyclical is how I always look at it. So you face one thing once and then you feel like you're through it. Right. So then you go, let's say it's relationships. I'm crushing relationships. We're, we're killing it. And then you move on and then career comes into focus because your relationships are good. And then you figure out the career part and then you figure out the financial part because that comes from career. And then you, okay, I got all these pillars, perfect. And then friendships and then family. And then all of a sudden you're back to relationships and you're struggling in your relationship. And you're like, hold, I thought I, what, how am I back here? I don't understand. But that's the cyclical nature of life is is it's always going to come back full circle and teach you something new. It has to. It's always going to do that. And that is just the cyclical nature of our, of our life, our human experience. It doesn't end. And taking that knowledge on allows us to have more grace for the fact that, damn, I was facts first yesterday. Why am I facts first again today? What the, ugh, I'm so confused. It's just something to be aware of, I think, in the, the journey of our, of our lives. You, uh, Kyle, you met, you said something there that I want to add a metaphor to, cause I think it's just, it's brilliant how you said, you talked about that cyclical nature of life, right? Then you also said comes into focus and that camera lens metaphor in your mind is very telling. What happens to us is that career comes into focus, which means if something is in focus, everything else is blurred out. We all know what a portrait photo looks like, right? So if you take a portrait photo of your life, whatever you're focused on is in focus, everything else is blurred out. You stare at that one thing too long, the things that are blurred out change, right? When you go back to the background, the same people might not be there because you haven't been given it any attention. That could be a relationship. That could be your family. Those could be your friends, right? So having the self-awareness, understand what's in focus and what's behind that thing that's in focus and making sure you spread that love around, making sure that you're, you're not just, you know, tunnel vision on one thing. And mm-hmm. to speak to what men's league is trying to do is, yeah, I know your career is in focus, but buddy, there's other things that are going on that are going to come that you need to potentially prioritize mm-hmm. the focus off of the career for one second. Let's look over here. What's on to the left. What's to the right. What's behind that thing that you're looking at, right? Being fixated sometimes too much on one thing can be very crippling uh, and being holistic and being, you know, a complete person involves engaging in more than just what's in focus. Um, and so just, I wanted that metaphor because it came, you said the word in focus and I, it was so clear to me how that, that image can really change your perspective and how you're, how you're viewing, how you're viewing life. So. But another thing you talked about there, Kyle, just to kind of shift gears a little bit here is vulnerability. What a word, what a hot topic. Um, I think vulnerability, you go on Instagram, you give it a couple of scrolls and it's in your face. Hey, listen, man, if you just tell me what you're going through, your whole life will get better. Um, you know, we've talked about anxiety, depression, suicide, divorce. Um, you know, our last episode, we talked about, you know, it was titled, you know, real men cries bullshit to kind of talk, to kind of speak to the pendulum. That is what the world has done. Guys not talking. And if only guys talk, everything would be fine. Um, what I wanted to ask you guys directly is, do you think vulnerability is the answer to all our prayers? Like, is, is that the thing? Um, and how do you think vulnerability can help men in being more connected to this world and to life um, in general? 
Uh, do you want me to go first there? Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> um, vulnerability. Well, it's interesting. I, I, I think before I answer it fully, I, I would say that I think Kyle, that whole focus thing kind of touches on this to a certain degree because my when you're in focus, all those other factors are still feeding into what you're focused, even though you're not paying attention to them. So does it fix everything vulnerability? No, I don't, I don't think there is one stop shop answer to fixing all the problems. Do I think vulnerability is a big step for guys? I do. And the reason I say that is I, I think a lot of the issues that men are going through are because they don't share and they per, they put it on their shoulders because they either think, oh, my problems aren't good enough to talk about. B, I'm just going to get laughed at. Or C, I'm not a man enough because that's what we're kind of conditioned to think. So I do think like even for me personally, just talking about having the panic attacks helped me get over the panic attacks. So there is some, there is a big piece, I think, in terms of being vulnerable. Um, and then the last piece I would say on it is, is really if you can give people a little bit of yourself, I mentioned it in my intro, what makes me who I am. And it's because I don't have a problem telling my good friends, you know, or even now strangers, you know, what I've struggled with anxiety, you know, my stomach is in complete knots all the time because I'm constantly thinking of this, this, and this, but by doing that, it creates the space for another person to then come to me. Um, and I think that's the piece that everyone missed. If we all were a little bit more vulnerable, everyone would feel more comfortable being vulnerable with us. So it starts, and that's why I think this is going to take time because we're going to need a million champions of guys creating that space for other guys to create space for more guys. So that's my, that would be my answer on vulnerability hmm. uh, in a nutshell. So I personally, I don't know if I love the word vulnerability. Like to me, there's like a totalness to it or a completeness. It's like, I am vulnerable. Mm. So then I need to be this complete open book and share everything with everybody. Mm. And I think that that is too far. I think that's too far. I, I would rather say I communicate or I am able mm. to share, you know, like there's, yeah, it just, it feels better. And I, cause obviously I, I agree with Fabian to the, to the extent that like, you know, sharing and being able to talk and communicate at, at certain points in your life, it has a ton of value. But to stand there with a flag or a name tag that says, I am vulnerable, I don't know if that's the best way to go about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, like, I mean, I, I said it in the last episode where we were talking about it. Like, to me, it's, and as, as a guy, it's like the space that I want held for me is that. I am willing to share the things that I want to share. I'm not scared of sharing, but I'm going to deal with this one myself. I got mm -hmm. this one, you know, and for you to try to pry, for you to be like, hey, everything that you're going through, I need to know, like every expression that's on my face, you come in, the day wasn't going well. I got this. I'm good. That face, I'm going to get through that face. But just know when I'm at that tipping point that I'm someone who will share. I won't go past tipping point. I will. I've, have I not shown you that I'm vulnerable? Like I'm willing to go to the, the, the depths there, but it's Tuesday. I don't want to talk about that thing. I'm good with that one. I got that <laughs> exactly. one. That one's on me. Like. 
you know, and I think that there's that threshold where people who, uh, they, they want to see, uh, they want to see a vulnerable side of you. And they'll be like, they'll, I've had people say to me, ah, you're not as vulnerable as you think though, because I'm still willing to hug a couple things that I want to keep like to my car. Also now the vulnerability card mm. is ripped away because I didn't want to tell you that one thing. That's not, that's not how it works. And so for guys, I feel like one of the reasons why they're so scared to step into this space is because they're feeling that goddamn pressure. They're feeling like people are like, well, they're like, Oh, well, I don't want to share everything. So you want me to share everything? I don't want to be vulnerable. Yeah, and that's exactly. not it. Separate the two worlds, guys. If you can take it on the chest, take it on the chest. Be how you want to be in that space. But don't get to a point where you're having panic attacks and not talking about it. Get into a mm-hmm. point where you're going through depression and you're not talking about it. Like have the, have the humility and the um, self-awareness to know that there's some things that you can't deal with on your own. You feel one of those things, look around who's holding the space, share it with that person. That mm-hmm. is the message that I ultimately think is something that I want to share because um, to your point, I think that word is the completeness of that. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It grinds my gears because I don't deal with every problem at that, that emotional word vomiting state. There's levels to my vulnerability. I can deal with this one. I can't deal with this one. I'm going to share with that one, you know? So just to kind of add to that too. Yeah. We, we, we see that often with our men in our space, right? It's like, there's this hesitation or as soon as they hear that word, they, well, you know, they take that little lean back. They're like, okay, so if I come to your space, if I, if I entertain this idea, I have to literally walk in and dump air out all my laundry right here, right now, you know, and that is a big misconception of what we, we think is, is, is powerful, right? Like oftentimes we're saying to our guys, Hey, just, just come listen, literally just show up and listen and see how that goes. That Mm -hmm. is being a, that is being vulnerable in its, in its own sense. But yeah, the totality of the word vulnerable, I think is, Mm -hmm. is, is, is almost potentially doing more damage than it is good to a point in our space. True. True. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I spoke about this in that episode too. Roman Cry's bullshit is I think that the language needs to change. It's been beautiful in, in its, in its own way, in the sense of at least that we were, we started somewhere. At least, we, at least we got the ball rolling. God damn it. Like it's about time. <laughs> uh, but now again, that pendulum swinging that Admiral was speaking about is we sent it, we got the conversation moving and now it's time to reel it in and actually apply something practically to the situation, which is what you guys are doing is focusing more on the practicality of the situation, not the totality of just do this and you're good. It's so much more complicated than that. A question for you guys. If, I were to come to you and say, real men cry. How would you respond? Well, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, I cry. I do. I, I'm comfortable sharing my emotions. Um, mm-hmm. The problem for me is real men, I think, in that statement. I think that there's, that's where it doesn't sit well with me at all. Um, mm-hmm. I would challenge you, well, what is a real man? Mm-hmm. You know, what is why can't all men cry or some men cry or, you know, no men cry or you cry or I cry or, you know, it, I don't know that that really doesn't sit well with me. Real men that mm. that point. That's what I'll say yeah. to that. Yeah. I, I'd use a sports analogy to, to uh, I'm with my guys. I would say probably this has probably happened probably two million times. <laughs> That's an over exaggeration. <laughs> what I'm saying I'm out the guys. We get into the argument of who's the best you know, in a sporting world, who's the best basketball player? Who's the best football player? Who's the best quarterback? You know, is it Peyton Manning, Tom Brady? And my question to any kind of total, when you're looking for a question that's going to, an answer that's going to be a blanket 
stamp statement to say this guy's the overall best you first have to agree as a common community what is the criteria that we're scoring this off of so as Derek just said a real man I could ask, Derek and I have asked this question to about 30 guys uh, you know on podcasts you know what does being a man mean to you and we've gotten a different answer every single time so we can't I don't think there's a way to answer that to a person in terms of saying what a real man is uh, I think it depends on the person because being a real man doesn't mean you have to cry. Some guys can sit, share their emotions and not cry. That's just how they are. Um, some guys ball all the time. I'm an emotional guy. I, I, I'll cry if, I, if I'm feeling like crying. So it's, it kind of depends on the person. I think it's a, that's a very unique. I hate global statements. <laughs> I should have put that in my intro. <laughs> People guy who hates global statements. <laughs> Great slogan. Great slogan. We can write that in. We can write that into your bio. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, I had a feeling you guys were going to go with that, but I just want to get your perspective on it. Cause I think that being in the men's space so deeply as you guys are, a lot of these generalized statements come through that space heavily and are very easily attached to you just by the nature of what you're doing. And people will look at you and say, oh, okay, perfect. They're helping men cry to be real men kind of a concept like it's quick to judge a man's space as that's what's happening and it's actually not the case at all like we're not getting together and having cry circles we're not uh like having a boys club like it's none of these things it's literally just the development of men in all facets and more importantly it's community right how many men don't have a supportive community of other men and the necessity that we we have that we don't know we need is what we're doing. That's the whole the whole premise. It's not real men cry group. Uh, it's not what. Otherwise, you would have called it that. It's not what we're yeah, doing, right? Exactly. Um, so I appreciate you guys' perspective on that question. It's great. Just to touch you, on the, the 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 crying. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. Do you guys think it's interesting that we try to again do those global statements? But if you think about it, and I, I left that part of my of my story in the beginning that. You know, my brother and I are 17 months apart. That's it. Same house, same roof, same school, same religion, same everything. Completely different people. Absolutely completely different people. How he deals with his emotions. So if, if, a, if a guy who grew up 17 months apart from me in the same house with all of those same common things is completely different, how can I expect Anwar or Kyle or Derek to feel and think the same way that I do? Right. It's 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 that's how we go about things. It's like everything mm-hmm. that we see is truth. But it's like we've seen like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what truth is. You know, everyone's got a different story and a different life and a different energy and a different vibe. So it's it's figuring out a way to how do we work collectively to allow people to to express themselves in their way. So sorry, yeah. about that. go ahead. No, no, no. In in our and I'll just double down on it in the community. It's like, hey, if you show up and you cry, we're there to support you. And if, if you show up and you don't cry, all also there to support you guys. So it is just about having that individualism. And, and again, that presenting that community that we, regardless of who you are and how you show up is how you're accepted. So. Mm-hmm. I think that the, the, the real man, real man cry concept is an interesting one because 
it it implies that you know any guy who's going on this vulnerability journey or whatever needs to be one who cries you know and um it, it's almost like if you show up and you don't cry you didn't understand the assignment you know it's <laughs> like <laughs> you showed up here you did not get the assignment you're supposed to be in tears um and that's not you know that's not how it really works you know and i think that just that that neutrality and just finding that middle of just being like hey man we're here to hold the space if tears comes with it great if, if tears don't great, you know, uh, like uh, to share my own kind of story on, on crying is like, I went like numb for like seven years, eight years of just like, it wasn't possible. Like I wasn't going to cry at all. Um, because it's just not how I approached anything. If something sad happened, my brain would go, how do you fix this? How do you fix it? I wouldn't, I wouldn't give myself to the emotion of it. Um, and then Kobe Bryant passed away and, um, he was like, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but like more than life for me, you know, like when I didn't have a dad or a role model or mentor, I just like copied him, you know, he, he was really the North star for me for a lot. He was really one of the reasons why I played basketball and all those things. So when he cried, there wasn't time for me to logically process anything or when he died. So I should say there was no logic. I couldn't solve the problem. I couldn't. And it was just an overwhelming amount of it almost like the pendulum happened for me. It was like, don't cry forever. And then it was like four days, five days of just like over and over and over again, I did feel better with every cry. You know, there was a piece of like, like a, a physical feeling that like felt a little bit like hugged or like cared for or the, like the letting it out. And it's not that the only thing that changed from me not crying at all to being forced to cry because something catastrophic happened to me was the next time I felt like I was watching a movie that was a little bit sad and something was happening. I ignored the suppression button. I just said, just let it go just let it, let it flow. And that was like the beginning process of just like when crying feels like it's coming in of like, instead of pushing it down, just let your body go through the emotion that it wants to feel. And it's the willingness to be okay with crying if you're about to cry, or you feel like whatever's happening in your environment. And that's what kind of changed the pendulum for me. So now I can cry more because I'm more willing to, if the, the feelings are coming up, I'll just let it go. You know, where before there wasn't even like, they didn't even come up. It just went down, but it was the experience of, you know, what happened to Kobe Bryant and me processing that, that allowed me to feel the physical feelings of crying and be like, oh, same way you would know, like if you got to go pee, you go pee, you, you, you feel something, let it go, you know, let it go. And that, that practicing of letting it go actually allows you to express that emotion a little bit more cleaner, a little bit more how it wants to be expressed. And you're not manipulating um, what's going on in your actual physical body. So it's, I always say with the vulnerability thing too, it's the same thing. It's, it's put yourself in a position or do the work to become willing. I don't care if you do it or not, get to the point where you're willing to go there willing to cry, willing to share your feelings, willing to talk to that person. That's all I care about. Everything that we do here on this platform is I want to get someone to a willing space. What you do with the will is up to you. I don't need you to do anything. Just be willing. And that's it. You know, I'll hey, said, Kobe, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Bryant, man. You know, it's crazy. And I forgot to mention him because I, you know, and maybe that's me doing that thing where I'm like going, I feel like I was going too far, but that was the last piece in my story. You know, very similar to you, Anwar. I think as as a young athlete, you you gravitate towards someone. And Michael Jordan, I was I loved, but it was Kobe that I was there for the whole ride. You know, all of the championships, all of those battles, cheering my guts out, being so elated, like I won a championship when the Lakers won. And I, I don't think I've ever cried more for someone that I've never met in my life than Kobe Bryant because I didn't understand the impact he had on me, the way he spoke, the way he carried himself, the way he dealt with adversity, his cadence, uh, his poise, 
his determination, like his willing, like I could like, I've never been that upset about, and I found myself being like, why am I this upset? But it's like, he touched me too on a, on a, on a deeper level than just cheering for the Lakers in basketball. And I think I'm, because the first two guys that passed away were also huge Lakers fan. When he passed away, I remember we did a podcast. It was the first podcast we'd ever been on for men's league called that pretty good post podcast pod is pretty good that pretty good pod or pretty anyways sorry uh and i said on that show it was it was it was literally lebron it was a bubble season and i said it was probably like four months before the final and i said lakers winning championship i i just know they're going to win like those three guys can't pass away and the team that they are going to win the championship I have no zero doubts in my mind. And when they won, man, I cried so much. I was at my parents' house. Another one of those moments where you feel people are talking to you. I've had a couple of moments like that when we did our first event because I made that promise. And when the Lakers won, I just went out on the deck on my own and I just, I just like cried. I didn't even watch the last buzzer. There's 20 seconds left. And I was just like, I, I knew it. And I felt like they were almost talking to me being like, yep, let's go, buddy. Let's go. So appreciate you bring that up that almost got me back to the moment for a second so um yeah yeah i know a lot is coming up for me man anytime that anytime i hear you know kobe or see a number eight or see a number 24 is just it's, it's a constant reminder of you know the mission the marathon um and it was just so you know, I have a lot of good friends that, you know, similar to you or the Kobe guys. And like, you know, we get to these deep moments where we talk about stuff and it's just like, it almost felt like to me, Kobe Bryant passing away was like, his message was so clear that it was like, you almost, you're, there's no misconception of what you need to do now. You know, who he was, how he went about life, everything. It's like, he's gone. Here's the torch. It's very clear what I want you to do. Go do it, you know, and um, to go to uh, do touch on this last bit and then we can kind of move on but um I embodied him so much I didn't even tell I didn't even I never felt like I told people deliberately like I love Kobe Bryant you know I, I don't feel like I told anyone what I found so crazy about that whole experience dude was my little sister called me immediately my other sister called me immediately my mom called me I didn't even know they paid attention to basketball I didn't even know they were watching that I and like they called me as if my best friend died. Like they they understood the magnitude of what just happened. Like it wasn't lost on them. And it was seeing her name, and I was just like, I know she's calling me for some, but she was already crying. Like she already, it's almost like she was ready to grieve with me. She knew I was gonna get hit hard, and I didn't even know they were paying that much attention. I, that's how much I wore it. Like I didn't even know they knew that I was that deep into the into the thing, you know. Um, and the apologies and just, I'm sorry. I know I'm sorry for your loss. It felt like I was losing someone who was alive that I knew, you know, that's how everyone was around me was acting. So, um, yeah, it just, he carried a huge, huge torch. Um, and, uh, his lessons, you know, I'll continue to kind of push forward and teach and sell in my kids and stuff like that, hopefully in the future. But yeah, man, mm -hmm. what a guy, what a man. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he embodied the giving back, which is what I think Derek talked about earlier is like, it's just crazy to, to find out all the training he gave to other NBA players. To, to find out he's giving away his secrets on the detail show he came out with to do what he was doing for women's basketball when he was an icon on the men's side, you know, to building the facility where all athletes can train, not just basketball people to creating a children's book to get their confidence up and teach them about the struggles and stuff from an athletic point of view to writing a screenplay and winning a freaking like, it's just, it's yeah, honestly, 
We could have a whole show on Kobe Bryant, so I'm going to stop talking right now. I love it. And you know, there's a theme that's coming out of this for me that I'm, I think is so prevalent in the men's space. It's, it's so obvious and yet we're so oblivious to it is our craving, our desire, our need for wise elders, like this missing component of society amongst us men, where we don't have a wise elder who has this experience, this knowledge, this wisdom, this capacity to hold their experiences and share and teach. It's not common anymore. And it was for so long until society became incredibly industrialized and the patriarchy really took its hold and all of that kind of dissipated in the ritualistic aspect of being a wise elder is gone. So what I think Kobe really embodied was that version of us, a man and a wise elder. It's like, I imagine if Will Smith died today, the whole world would be like, whoa, like whole world would be shook just like they did Kobe, because there's this element of him being in his position, being his age, being his experience that now he's willing to take all of that and teach us as a younger generation, as support the newness that is coming into this world with an open mind, with also doing his own level of work in not just filmmaking, but his personal development and his healing and his growth. Mm -hmm which is also what Kobe embodied. So I think that's why what I noticed about this Kobe experience for me was that it struck me too. And I played basketball, but I wasn't aggressively into it like you two were. And I was into sports and I obviously knew of Kobe. I followed him quite well. I watched him play for years, but it wasn't this like conscious component of my life. And yet when he passed away, I was shook just like you guys, not to the extent, but I was just as shook. And I was sitting there like, what is happening? Why do I feel so deeply about this experience? And I think it's, it attests to that idea of he was just a wise elder in our society that was helping society become better. And we all attach to that without realizing we attach to that because that's how much we crave it and need it. So I think well that's such said, a, a, a beautiful theme in that concept. Well said. And you're right. We don't have enough of those. Yeah. Will Smith and Coke. Think about how many people have influence, but they aren't doing that. Yeah. And I think you just hit on something that's, that's so deep, bro. Like we don't have a lot of wise mentors, like just giving mm -hmm. away the advice for free, trying to make people who are still working on it. Like everything you said there is like, wow. I've never actually like put it into that perspective. But you're right. Will Smith is very similar to me in that space where I love this guy, not mm -hmm. just because he was in 10 amazing movies in a row and broke all these records and stuff. Right. It's like, it's, it's his passion for people. It's his advice he gives away on shows. It's his, you know, telling you how he got there and not afraid that someone else will get there. He wants everyone to do it. This is what I did. You know, you're not going to beat me. So it's like, you're right. That's, yeah. that's really, really, really powerful stuff, man. Mm. And I think this concept too leads us into the next question we had for you guys. Cause I think that there's so many different levels of men's work and men's support and men's personal development. And there's, there's so many different ways to go left and right and up and down with it. And the most common ones, right? We'd already talked about vulnerability. That's a common one. The other common narrative and language that we use is just masculinity, right? Those are the two most prominent words right now in men's space. There's not really many other words being used. And I find that really fascinating. So the question I want to poise to you guys is 
what is the reality of the situation? Yes, vulnerability. Yes, focus on masculinity. First of all, what do those even mean? Uh, but what is the reality of the situation? If someone were to just show up on this earth and they were had boots on the ground, they were in the mud, in the dirt, what is really going on in the world of men and men's challenges? Like what's the nitty gritty that you guys see? What is the things that they're struggling like on a day-to-day basis, on a more practical basis that could be seen as more of an obvious relatability than vulnerability and masculinity? Very good question. I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab at this. I'll go first. Um, Something that came to me when you were asking that question and then I'll pass it to Fabian. Maybe he's got a completely different perspective or either view, but um, the thing that came to me was the struggle boots on the ground is the word ego came up for me. And, and it was, you know, when I think about men and one of the challenges that we have and we're faced with is, is that is around ego and what that means and and what it means to each man and, and the battle around it. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure amongst men to, to be a certain way. And um, I think it's, it's caused a lot of damage. It's caused a lot of, a lot of harm. Pressure to be what way? The ways, well, the the real man, we could get back into that, right? I mean, what is a man and what does that look like? If you Google, you know, what is a man? And, you know, you get the lumberjack guys, a big, strong, powerful guy chopping wood. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the, the pressure to be the leader of your family and your community and your space and um, the pressure to be, you know, leveling up on top of everybody climbing a corporate ladder like you know just there's a lot of pressures that come with that mm-hmm. and i think i think that um guys tying that in with the ego can really start to spiral down an unfortunate path mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if i'm answering your question at this point but that is where my mind went when you mm-hmm. asked it uh but I have full time to go through it um yeah i think that that's a big struggle that's a yeah, kiss question. Yeah. I had time to think Derek, about it. Real quick, Derek, you're not off at all, dude. No, I don't you're think so. That, you're okay. smack okay. in the middle of it. Um, okay. So I Beautiful. think ego is an incredible word to dissect. Yeah. Thank you. I think you did a great job, Derek. Uh, ego is probably the biggest thing. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of like the questions. That was, a, that was like, this question's deep. Uh, you, I'm going to focus on one portion of it specifically. You said, if a guy just got plunked on the ground right now, boots on the ground, what I would tell him, what I would tell him is you're in for a long haul here because <laughs> you're coming in, not at the completed or end results. You're coming in at the beginning stages of this thing. Um, you're going to meet a lot of cool guys and make sure when you meet them that you're able, and it doesn't necessarily have to be in a public space, but maybe in a one-on-one space, make sure you're able to actually touch base with that person. Be present with that person, give them a piece of yourself, and hopefully they'll give you some of their self. Because I think the issue is, and I think Derek touched on it with ego and the way society has shown us things. I'm talking like back to when we we're five, six, seven, eight, and you're watching shows. You know, which are the kids that are celebrated in the shows? You know, are they giving us a wide range of characters or are they presenting it as one specific demographic of person? And I think 
that's where it starts is, you know, as a kid, you see the cool kid in school who has all the friends and you see what he wears and you see how he talks and you see how he acts and you see how his parents are. And then you, you're, you can't help but think about your situation and how do you fit into that cookie cutter example of what it is to be a young boy. Then you have sports teams, you know, depending on what kind of coach you had, you know, depending on what kind of teammates you had, depending on what kind of sport it was, you have different pressures from guys, you know, naturally there's going to be a group that's going to click together and they're going to want to be the ones that dictate what's cool and what's not. And if you're outside that group, we're taught that you're the black sheep, you know? So constantly as we grow up and everything we see on social media, everything we watch in movies, everything we see from the point where we're born until the point where we're done, we're getting shown what the image is of what it's supposed to be. So I think if you can understand that and understand you don't always have to, conform the problem is is if you don't you're going to technically be labeled outside of the group and i think that's a challenging thing and that's why you need advocates in the cool circle in those groups on those sports teams to be the ones that step up and say no 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 we don't have to act this way we don't have to talk this way we don't have to treat women that way we don't have to not tell our friends when stuff is deep and we're about to go over that threshold like anwar talked about I think there, if, if we can do that and get more leaders doing that and showing that that's okay, and we're starting to see it with some of these athletes like Carrie Price, Robin Leonard, you know, they're starting to come out and talk about it. And you can see the whole world's view starting to change on mental health. Oh, maybe it is kind of okay that I, you know, I have anxiety or depression. Like 10 years ago, you couldn't say that. And if you did, they weren't listening. They'd be like, put your equipment on and we'll see you on the ice in 10 minutes. Like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. So it's taken guys like that to do it, to start to open the conversation. So the person with their feet that just landed on the ground, listen, man, I can see a beautiful horizon. It's not here yet, but at least there's hope, you know, and let's keep moving forward and eventually we'll get there. Painting pictures, man. Colin Picasso. I can can see that image very clearly. And, um, you know, one thing I wanted to add too is uh, our, our unhealthy relationship with competition. You know, I think that competition sometimes when ego and competition as a man, when those two worlds are unhealthy, it looks ugly, you know, guys who are caught up in their ego and they're competitive, you know, it's good in certain places, like winning this man maker it's bad in certain places, you know, and I think that being able to understand the difference between when your ego is showing up and and when the, when your ideal self is showing up and leaning more towards, you know, rewarding the ideal self when it shows up and, and, and controlling that ego. And we had a whole episode on talking about ego too. And it's like, we aren't on the side of your ego is bad for you. Your ego was there to show you where you're at. You know, your ego is good. You need to build a relationship with that ego. Same with your self-talk, you know, that, that voice in your head, it's not about shutting it out. That's another just suppressing situation, right? You're trying to engage in that voice in your head and change the narrative of how it's speaking to you and how you're speaking to yourself and things like that. So I think that, you know, competition and and a healthy relationship with competition is also another thing that I would tell this guy, you know, is, Hey, you know, if you're on the ground, you just landed, they watch out, like you're going to be competitive. It's great to be competitive, but there's lines to this competition thing. It's not, not everything is, you know, the best, the best, the best. Sometimes it's, uh, you just got to find a different, a different route. And you said too, you know, Mm -hmm. when you said that, Hey, you know, if you go to this group, um, you know, you're going to be a black sheep kind of thing. Like there's a lot of people on this team. And then you talked about this horizon that's coming. Ultimately what you're saying there is that we're trying to build this second team, right? 
we're, we're in the process of building this second team so that less people feel like a black ship when they jump ship. They're like, oh, there's a team on this side and let's make yeah. it us versus, you know, you guys want to do it the old school way. We want to do it the new school way. And then let's just play against each other. Let's have a good old, good old game of sport. Right. But right now it's like you show up to the other team and it's like, you don't even have enough guys to dress. You know, there's just not enough people on that side of the, on that team, you know? So we're actively both, you know, MM and ML are, are working towards building a team where you can be like, okay, cool. I don't actually want to be on this team. That team looks like it's more aligned with who I am, you know, mm-hmm. and not to judge the people who want to go the traditional route. Like if that traditional route was working for you and you're happy as a guy, dude, we are happy for you. The problem is, is that uh, to Fabian's point, that one main character only works for a certain amount of people. It doesn't work for everybody. So if you fit the main character, great. Your character and your storyline has been shared. Enjoy it. There's like so many other people that storyline isn't being shared and they feel like they just like it's keep up with you or hide myself. And I don't want you to hide yourself. We don't want you to hide yourself. So um, not to blur the lines there, but if you're if you're on that path, good for you. Keep ripping it. But if you need another outlet, hopefully we can create one, you know, so. Mm, love it. And that's the difference, right? Like one team doesn't have a roster limit, mm-hmm. you know, anyone on that side can come over to the side of, you know, being open to different views. Uh, it's unfortunate that not everyone can be on the other side, you know, and feel comfortable and feel heard and feel safe. Um, but like you said, man, if if it's working for you, mad respect, and hopefully you're you're living a full and happy life. Uh, and if you're not, come over to the light side, as Master Yoda would say. I'm dropping Star Wars stuff now, bro. You would. Yeah. I would just, I would just throw it out there that, you know, when you look at the statistics, I mean, that's where my mind goes, right? There's some things that we we've explored and, you know, there's a glaring red flag there that, that maybe says that maybe, you know, leads you to believe that team A right now, that's currently out there. Yes, it may work for some, but it's clearly not working for all. And I just, you know, educating the people that, Hey, there are other teams you can play on. Um, is important. And I think when you look at some of the things that, you know, so suicide, depression, like some of these stats, you know, domestic abuse, some of those things, they can really, to me, it shows, Hey, we need other teams in this, in this space, you know, we Mm -hmm. need different ways to think about this kind of stuff because numbers. Mm -hmm. And I think a beautiful contrast to just be conscious of in this whole entire space is the quote that I'll, I guess, tie this all up to a pretty bow is, I think it's by uh, Leo too. I don't know how to pronounce his actual name appropriately, but um, it's better to be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in war. And that's, I think the beautiful contrast of this, this representation of of new development that we're trying to create is that um, you can be and both. But I think where it gets scary is if you're trying to overcompensate being one character Right. Jim Carrey quoted the depression statement beautifully and talking about depression is literally just you, your, your soul, your body saying, fuck you. I'm done playing this character. I'm done. And it's that beautiful representation of, you know, do you, if it's working, but just be conscious of what the outcome might be. Um, and we're here for you whenever you want to talk about it. And whenever you decide that playing that character is no longer working for you. Um, and that's okay. And um, last thing I'll share, Anwar, because I know you have a, a powerful question to finish. There's this guy named Trevor Bowman, and he wrote a book called Man Uncivilized. And it's this similar to kind of Jordan B. Peterson's concept of how uh, we're savages. Like we have the ability and the capability of being a savage. We just don't act on it anymore. But we 
when we lose that connection to the inner savage, then we lose a lot of our own power. And I feel like Trevor Bowman stated it all perfectly. He said, um, be dangerous, but not a danger. And that struck me because I recognized where I was playing incredibly soft in this world to my capabilities, playing, playing incredibly small to my capabilities because of this fear of being dangerous because of the way in which we've deemed dangerous in the society of, um, that we're currently living in right now. So anyways, just to kind of tie all of that in is to say, um, like obviously be, just be whoever you want to be if it's working for you, as long as it's uh, authentic and real. And if that's the truth of, it, of your nature, then we're not here to take anything away from that. But we're also here to support you in finding out what that might mean to you on both lights, ML and MM. Um, when both le- levels, we're just trying to support in whatever way that we can. There's no pressure um, to become somebody that you don't feel you are, which I think is, again, the concept of being a real man. Well said. Before we get into our final question here, gentlemen, uh, where can the people find you? Where are you guys hanging out? How can they get involved with the men's league? Um, Fabian, where, where can the people find you, my man? So we got uh, our website, www.mensleague.com. That's men's league with a Z. Um, and then you'll find all the stuff we're offering there. Uh, we're all over IG and LinkedIn. Uh, men's league again with the Z. You can find us, uh, holler at us, send us DMs, message us. We're always down for collaborations and figuring out new ways to to move this thing forward. Um, and yeah, we hope to see you soon. I mean, obviously, we started this initiative primarily in Calgary, but uh, the long term vision is to be having parties over where Anwar is uh, as soon as we can. So we'll be building as as quickly as we can to get all of our offerings across all of Canada to start. So looking forward to it Mm -hmm. and just one more piece of context for the audience when they sign up for men's league what are they getting good Derek. your world my man yeah okay so i mean there's there's levels to support it right um whether it's i mean signing up as a is a loose general term but there's i think specifically we're talking about is the online membership Mm -hmm. Uh, right so there we've built a platform there for for guys to come in and basically what it is it's a it's a community first and foremost and it's also um, a set of resources that, that are available to you to, to kind of at least walk you through some of the things you might be going through or some of the steps you might be considering. Uh, we, have, uh, we have a mental health hotline if you need somebody to talk to available, um, you book online. It's a very simple process to do that. We've got courses that focus on your nutrition, your finance, your relationships. Um, and again, the back to what's most important I feel in that in that space is the online community and the opportunity to connect with guys that are like-minded that are going down the journey as well um, and whether that's in person or online um, again it's that it's that true community feel to it so um, affiliated discounts as well uh, so we've right. been partnering with a lot of vendors that believe in our cause whether it's this mm. custom suit design company which has a presence across all of Canada uh, men's fashion boutique uh, obviously confidence and clothing is something we link to your mental health. So we're trying to explore multiple avenues on ways to do it. Uh, and then we also have a physical, a physical app, I guess you can call it, um, where it helps guys. We, it's a tra- It's kind of like a personal trainer in your pocket, uh, or it has a bunch of custom made workouts. Um, and it ties into your Fitbit, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, lots of cool things in there. And uh, we keep building. I think that's the cool thing about this is as, as, as you guys know, we were filming, stuff yesterday we're constantly trying to find new courses find out what's what's the new thing that could help men 
uh, we're always exploring new avenues. So even if you're someone that thinks that they have something, reach out to us. Let's have a conversation and see if we can bring it to the guys. Amazing. Amazing. Great resource. Uh, go check it out. You guys uh, know where to find them. Um, and we would highly recommend, you know, you go check it out and see what they're up to. At least go check out their IG page. Um, Men's League. Men is spelled with a Z at the end. Um, okay. Final question, gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to paint you guys a picture. I want you guys to both picture that you're laying on your deathbed um, and you are in a very, ref you're reflecting, you know, you're reflecting on everything that you've learned your experiences, the things that you've seen, the people that you've encountered. Um, and a young man walks into the room and uh, he wants to become a better man. And he asks you, hey, I know you have, you know, a couple last breaths here. Um, I'm, I'm looking to get some advice. I'm, I'm young, I'm, you know, I'm entering this manhood space and I don't really know where to start. I don't really know what to do. I don't really know how to think about it do you have two pieces of advice that you could give me? Perfect, man. Two pieces. I was, I was debating. I was like, I got two in my head. I don't know which way I'm going to go with this. And then you hit me with two. So that's brilliant. Thank give you so much. Nugget, give me your two piece chicken. Nugget. <laughs> okay. I was really going down that path of which I was going to choose. Um, first piece of advice is that the truth is undefeated. I, I really feel that I've learned that no matter what the truth is, good or bad or otherwise, being comfortable with it, sharing it when you feel you need to, um, but understanding that it's just part of your journey is so important. Um, I think that oftentimes we carry ourselves with, with blended truths or, or maybe not full truths. And I just think that if you can really sink into what is real and what the truth is, I think that that will, that will help you down your path. Um, so yeah, the truth is undefeated. That's number one. And number two, and this is something I've been exploring for myself this year is, um, don't be afraid of no, like, do not feel like oftentimes I find myself not asking questions, not exploring things, not going, not experiencing life because I'm afraid of a negative result. And to me, it's, it's a finite amount of time and trust me, it's short and it's sweet, Go for it. No is okay. You know, that is okay. That's part of life. Getting no's is okay. And so be comfortable with that and, and carry yourself through life with that mentality. I think would go a long way. Mm. Beautiful. Powerful. Fabi, you're up, my man. Going, going second kind of sucks in, in certain, certain <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. No, honestly, man, I'm on my death. Those are the two biggest things that I've learned in my life so far. Uh, is reaction and time. So the first one I would say, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is the only thing we control on this planet is how we react to things. Mm -hmm. Every single person is different. Every situation you go into, if you can go into it thinking, my way is not 100% the right way, will open up a million doors for you. Because what you'll find very quickly is that people's intentions are not always to screw you. Although you might think that the guy at work who refuses to put coffee in the pot is doing that because he knows you're coming in at 9 15 and he doesn't want you to have coffee there is a possibility that he's stressed about something completely different and he's just not thinking about coffee so you can control how you react to every situation i think that's the first thing uh, and then time is the most valuable resource on this planet do not wait to lose four people in one year to wake up 
Do not wait for your back to blow out before you realize you're not going to be able to pick up your kids. Do not wait till your marriage is in divorce for you to start putting effort into that relationship and communicating with your partner. Do not wait. And, and you, you will find as you get older that where you put your time is, is very, 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 very important. So by the point you realize what's important in your life, make sure you're cultivating time with those areas because we don't have unlimited of that. So those would be my two biggest takeaways from this planet. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. I like how you phrase it at the end too, from this planet. I like that. That was good. Well, we don't know what's happening after that. <laughs> <laughs> While you're here, bro. Yeah, well, you're here. I, what I, you know, it's it's crazy. After like the last funeral and before we made men's league, I started thinking, I cannot wait until my parents are gone to tell them how I appreciate all the things they've done for me. You know, all the sacrifices they made for me. I'm old enough to understand all the things they did for me when I was five and six and ten and sixteen and first cars and going to school and money and feeding you. And I don't want to wait till their funeral to stand up there to tell them those things so time is a very very powerful tool you just gotta you gotta appreciate the moments um because it could be it could be gone tomorrow you know it could be gone tomorrow mm. beautiful and that closes the conversation my fine feathered friends gentlemen uh, a huge huge thank you from both of us for being a part of this conversation and for really embracing everything that we threw at you we tried to do our best to really toss it up in the air and see how you would respond. You guys did a beautiful job. There's so much value to be had. If you missed anything as you were listening, please go back, rewind, check it out. We asked some pretty powerful questions, but at the end of the day, thank you, Men's League. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. We're very excited to see where this future holds for a possible collaboration. Who knows? Hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, and to finish it up, as always, you know what it is. It's Men's League. Uh, it's Modern Mask. We appreciate you. Make sure to go rate the podcast on Spotify and Apple. Remember, Spotify does have a new rating system that we really appreciate if you could smash that button so we can improve and reach more people. Get this podcast out there more, especially episodes like this, Hot Fire Flames. Y'all are amazing. Subscribe, download, follow us on IG at Modern Masculinity, and we'll see you in the next episode. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.